0: Welcome to this episode of the Network Marketing Heroes Podcast, hosted by 38-year network marketing veteran, author of best-selling books, The Four-Year Career, and Mach 2, With Your Hair on Fire, and world-renowned speaker, Richard Blissbrook. Stay tuned after this episode for an exclusive discount code to get 10% off Richard's tools on BlissBusiness.com. Tonight, we have Ryan and Jenny Chamberlain, from Ocala, Florida with Evolve, and they have built an extraordinary four-year career. Ryan is the author of Now You Know. He's an ambassador and current top earner and uh, co-founder of the exclusive training program uh, that Evolve uses that, according to my friend Garrett McGrath, who's also involved in that, the architecture of that training program, has resulted in doubling sales in the last 12 months. And who wouldn't want that? So I imagine Ryan has got some extraordinary things to give us, both about his own build uh, and about his training tips and his philosophy. So let's dive into it. As usual, Ryan, the first thing I like to ask people is, Tell us your story, a little bit about your background and how you were introduced to network marketing.
1: All right. Well, Richard, uh, thanks for having me on the line, and uh, certainly exciting to be a part of of tonight's call. A little bit about our story, and um, uh, and let me just say too, I, I'm excited about what you're doing. I'm excited about these types of interviews, and you know, the kind of uh, information that I know we're all looking for is just the real story the real information so it started with my wife and I. I've i been married 21 years so we uh, married my high school sweetheart we have four beautiful children uh, they're all boys everybody keeps asking us if we're going to keep trying for a girl we did keep trying for a girl that's how we ended up with four boys but um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's been pretty amazing our, uh, our first year marriage we were introduced to network marketing so this is over 21 years ago and uh, we we joined our first company um, I was basically looking for a way to, at that point in my life, I, I wanted to just make a little bit extra money, and but I got excited about the possibilities. It took us a year to get to the lowest level. We made 47 bucks, and we were the top moneyers in our group. So it wasn't a a real uh, huge experience for us financially. But I'll tell you, Richard, at 20 years old, I was exposed to a system that encouraged me to start reading books and listening to people and their philosophies and, and growing as a person. Uh, my personality was a little bit backwards, a little bit shy, on the shy side of things, so I did not think network marketing was for me, and I, I decided to do some other things. I started a mortgage company. I graduated college in, in 1996 and decided to start a small finance business. And I did that for for several years, and about 25 years old, not having done well financially in anything, uh, my two-year-old was being dropped off to daycare every day. I, I certainly remembered network marketing, maybe a little bit more mature, but I still didn't have a sphere of influence. I was actually reintroduced to the industry. Um, at that point in my life, it uh, you know, it was real simple. If I could make a $1,000 a month, I could bring my wife home from work and she could spend an extra 250 hours a month with my two-year-old. I don't know that I saw much beyond that, but that's what I saw, and uh, luckily, fortunately, I had some mentoring into my life at that point, and I started following and thinking more in terms of systematic approaches and, and doing basically what I was told, but then doing it in a way that, that I was understanding what I was doing so that I could replicate and teach that. And uh, Jenny and I began to experience some income that quickly brought her home while I was Built it part-time, didn't go full-time, but began to communicate with people and, and started to experience some success. And within a year, it not only had replaced her income, it had replaced my my uh, income as well. And uh, we made, we set a goal, the first $100,000 that we were going to make in network marketing, that we would use it to pay back all the money we had borrowed to to family members uh, in the previous few years, just trying to get our conventional business going, and we basically became, by most standards, debt-free, other than I think our house at that time. Um, and because our expenses were so low, um, we continued down network marketing path until it did turn into a six-figure income, then a multiple six-figure income. Then it, uh, after having earned, um, crossed that seven-figure path while we were still in our twenties. We have spent the last, I don't know, 15 years or so now helping people learn and overcome some of the things that we learned during that several-year period. And, of course, the last 15 years of of working with teams and holding teams together and growing an organization built on a set of principles, that's really in in a nutshell. Now, the last thing I'll tell you about my story is uh, somewhere around the age of 28, people started asking me to share what we were doing. Um, that opened up more doors whenever you have some success. People want to hear about it. So it opened up more doors for us to start sharing, and speak, and teach. And we found a passion in teaching and um, kind of uh, was asked to head up the the training division of, of the company that we were with. And that turned into a 10-year exciting path of growing, learning, and achieving. I'll tell you, At that age and and, and where we're at today, the the fortunate part was I got to spend a lot of time with the top thinkers in the industry and found out that, you know what, everything that we do in this industry at at a high level can be learned. If it can be learned, that means we can learn it. That means you can learn it. The listeners today can learn it. That revelation to me is simple as it sounds, makes us one of those couples that actually believes that anyone can do this. We don't believe everyone will do it, but we believe everyone can do it. Because we believe everyone can do it, it's a worthwhile passion of ours to help people do it that choose to do it. And uh, Richard, I could keep going on and on, but that's in a nutshell the last four and a half years. We did make one shift in the last 17 years, um, and for just personal reasons, and we're a part of... Uh, a great success that that we're having right now but it's basically following the principles that we've learned and spent time developing working over the last 17 18 up to 20 years now in the industry. So back to you Richard.
0: All right, well if I could uh read between the lines there, it sounds like when you were in your early 20s you got introduced to Amway. Well, That's a mean, good guess. Mean, you
1: you are very intuitive. How how did
0: you get? <laughs> Well, just the way you described the things they introduced you to and um not surprising that that was that that you earned $49 there cuz that's that's a tough deal. Um but then you had a um a, was it a 17-year run with another company? It was actually a 12-year 12 12-year 12 12. run. Okay, yep. so and let me then, back uh, back
1: second, up. Yep, 12.
0: So, um if you're willing to share who that company is, I'm interested um, because it might help me pull some good stuff out of you. And if you don't want to share it, that's fine too. But what I'm really interested in is the guy who or gal who introduced you to Amway, I want to know who they were relative to you, not their name necessarily, but how did you know them or how did you meet them and what did they say to you that had you pay attention to see some possibility and then you said you got reintroduced to network marketing and that sounds like the company you had the 12-year run with I'm interested who introduced you to that company and how did you know them and what did they say to you that piqued your interest to look again
1: yeah great questions uh, by the way first question um, t National was the company. I'm very proud of that experience. Uh the t National, that company, yeah. Yeah. The founder of that company passed away, but we were on the board of the company and and it was time for us to move in a different direction. With, with nothing from a negative experience standpoint, it was just there was this a unique time and a unique uh situation there and the gentleman that I'd worked side by side with was no longer there. So we, we really wrote the book in 2010, Now You Know, with the idea that that career, our networking career, we were still earning a large amount of income from that source, that we were going to continue. I mean, people get into networking for residual income. We were going to enjoy that, and I was going to begin coaching and teaching um, many organizations, which we've had the fortunate opportunity to do so that's when I actually came across where we're at today. So that's a little bit of, I don't want anyone worried about how that story was or wasn't. Um, So that's that's what happened. Um, Now, let's go back to the Amway uh, situation. I was working as a collector. I was 20 years old, collecting, calling, making $8 an hour, working for a company called Mercury Finance, calling people that were behind on their bills. That was my job at 20 years old. And I was at lunch one day with a gentleman that was probably 15 years older than me, 35. And he, uh, we're riding around, and he's in a much nicer vehicle. He owned a, a company, and and we're just talking. I knew he was successful at what he did in his conventional business. And just in passing conversation, he said to me, "Yeah, you know, I I made a six-figure income this year in my conventional business, but what I'm really excited about." is the 1500 a month that I made in my networking business and I didn't know what a networking <laughs> business was that's I said, a classic I said, hang on one second beautiful said, line yeah and I just said hang on one second i said tell me what's a networking business he said well man, i need to show it to you sometime because i believe this 1500 is going to end up blowing past my conventional business income and i don't have any employees or headaches i love it i said is that something anybody can do? Could you teach me how to do it? And he just said, well, let's get together with you and your wife. And just a little bit of curiosity, but but enough to get me to to think about how do I, could I possibly develop another stream of income? That was my introduction. I will never forget the conversation. And uh, I ended up pursuing the Amway business because of that. Fast forward Beautiful. five years later. Yep. Any qu- do you, Let me pause here. Richard, is there any questions you want to pull out of that, or do you want me to move right on to the, the next one?
0: No, I have one question about that. <clears throat> what was the guy's name, Namway? Well.
1: This guy's name was Jim. Jim, he, en- you- he ended up not being my sponsor. He ended up introducing it to me. My, I ended up being sponsored by a longtime friend of mine who was uh guy named Randy, who was the art uh, that I went to church with. He was our Sunday school superintendent. That ended up being my sponsor. Jim is the guy that had the original conversation with me. My sponsor ended up being one of my best friends ever who was 20 years older than me, so he was 40, I was 20, and that had been a strategic mentor for me. So the Amway business really opened the door to possibility thinking for the Chamberlain's.
0: Got it. And my question about that is, do you know where those two guys are today?
1: Absolutely. Yep, I've got to communicate with them still regularly.
0: Um, Are I they both in network that. marketing?
1: One of them is, one of them isn't.
0: Okay. I, I'm just always curious about, you know, because I wonder whenever the one who decided not to be in network marketing decided not to be, I wonder what his decision would have been had he known what you would have gone on to do with your career I'll bet it would have been a little bit different so okay fast forward five years somebody reintroduced you to network marketing Who was that and how did that come down
1: that's interesting by the way I, I want to pause and say this cuz uh, I've been on a lot of interviews Richard and I want the audience to hear this these questions are cool questions but I have never been asked these questions ever in any kind of interview, so I love it. I'm loving what we're doing here, and uh, loving the conversation. At 25 years old, um, I got a call from a friend of mine. Matter of fact, I heard him dial into this call to listen. Named Joe uh, Castellanos. Uh, Joe and Maria were friends of ours. I was in the mortgage business with them, and he called. And um, you know, he knew it. He knew it, I'd had a networking in my blood at one point. He he had been in the Amway business as well. But he left a voicemail with some information for me to listen to a conference call which I didn't listen to I actually just called him back and said hey, hey listen I don't know what I'm if I'm interested in doing anything but I I'm interested in sitting down with you so if you're willing to drive up here to talk to me about it I'll see it so it wasn't I wasn't excited to actually look at it at 25 because I just was still cocky enough to think that I knew it all and uh, and I had been there and done that and tried it so it was more of a relationship that got me to sit down the second time. And and quite frankly, the reason I I ended up uh, walking out of that networking meeting, and it ended up being a group meeting, and I, I met enough people that were making more than 1000 a, a month that it made me mad. It made me aggravated that I wasn't generating an extra 1000 a month to bring my wife home from work. And that was kind of the – interesting this probably the most interesting way I could describe the feeling at that point it was a feeling of frustration in myself and that I was absolutely not a part of the right kind of financial vehicle if I'd been out of high school for seven years and I I couldn't have developed an extra thousand dollars a month so networking began to click for me in my mind as a legitimate pursuit where it might not have been a legitimate pursuit because I was trying to figure out myself at 20 and who I was. At 25, it became a legitimate pursuit because of the ability to create leverage. I'd read a book called Rich Dad Poor Dad at 23. It had got me spinning. Although I was thinking more about real estate and other things, I, I began to identify this this networking thing as a legitimate source of leverage. Not that it need, you know, not that the industry needed me to do that, but it really was my ignorance of not accepting it sooner than that that uh, was making me not be able to be successful. So at 25, that was the frame of mind, um,
0: and that's the story. Okay. So uh, 12-year run uh, there. Uh, When did you write the book, Now You Know? Summer of 2010. Okay. So uh, that's right before you got involved in evolve.
1: That is, yep. It's it's uh, that, again. That was the trend There was a transitional year. I was still earning a networking income, but I was beginning to formulate kind of uh, what I was going to do with the next phase of of my career, and wasn't thinking I would I would start over. But you know, when Got I was, I did get introduced to evolve, it it was just at an interesting time and in an
0: interesting way. But uh, yeah. okay, now, well, you know, I, I, I want to ask about the. I want to ask you about the book. Now you know is an intriguing title. What's behind the title? Well the
1: book came out of an audio that I'd produced uh, several years earlier called The Seven Laws of the System. And what I the idea of the book, the subtitle of Now You Know is Why Some Succeed and Others Fail using the Same System. How can you have two people in the same company following the same directions? And one person hits the highest level and the other person can't get off, off the ground. How is that even possible? What That doesn't even make sense. Well, there's certain laws that people break in our industry without, without I call them laws anyway, that's my perspective on them, that cause the systems that we develop to either work better or not work at all. And so I uncover these things in a way that, and I've read a lot of networking books, I've tried to bring something to the industry in a way that hadn't quite been written uh... that particular way but it's kind of my training style of doing things but i break it down in what i believe is a a very simple kind of eye-opening things that people are almost not even conscious that they're doing that's causing their systems to backfire on
0: can you tell us uh...
1: can you give us two or three of them yeah you know of the first impression you know i'll give you a couple examples you know, people get excited about an opportunity. Um, they start making phone calls. They call their friend and uh, and they say, "Hey, man, I'm excited about I'm excited about uh, a business opportunity. I want I want to share it with you." And they haven't even got to even the words. They haven't even got to the name of the company. They haven't even got to the point where they can set an appointment. And out of enthusiasm, and we all know that enthusiasm sometimes can hide a bunch of mistakes, but hey, I just got involved, they, they've broken some laws. They've they've accidentally, by saying to your prospect, have just got involved in, in a new business opportunity. They've created a subconscious rejection before they even get started. And so that's a, it's all about there's nothing you can say in the first 15 or 30 seconds to get people to join your company, but there's plenty of things you can say in the first 15 to 30 seconds to get them to never join. You know, got involved means if I was calling you Richard and said, hey, I just got involved in something, it means I'm, a, I'm about to try to get you involved in something. So you start rejecting what I'm going to say without even understanding why you're rejecting it. That's just, you asked me for one or two examples. That's one of them. Business opportunity. Hey, if you've been approached by 17 business opportunities in the last three years, if you popped on your Facebook account and every other post is somebody pitching you on a business opportunity, you don't feel good when somebody uses those words with you improperly, yet brand-new people don't even, they're just taught, hey, let's go contact, let's follow the system, but they're not really paying attention to how they're setting up the system that's being taught to them. So that would be law number one, first impression. I take the readers through a number of things, not just the two I mentioned tonight, but there's a number of ways. That particular law says people do business with people they know, like, and trust. If you begin to the selling process before people trust you, you're, it's probably going to backfire on you. In a lot of cases, some of the most talkative outgoing people in the world have trouble in network marketing because they begin to sell too quickly. If they could now they would be awesome if they can ever tame some of that. But we've all seen people that just talk people in and talk people out in the same 10 minutes and so the first impression is a big one Um, you know i'll give you the last chapter seven the law of urgency you know there's a there's this urgency factor you know there is a big difference between talking to one making a list of ten people and showing one per month for ten months the same ten people there is a difference between showing one per month and one per day the same ten people same ten presentations but compressing activity into a shorter period of time causes a chain reaction of things. And I, and I may not be saying anything new to anybody that's listening tonight. But when we're talking about your system, there's really, it, remember, your systems are designed by people that have built this business urgently or built your business urgently. Your, the systems you're talking about are designed by people that have, had success through mentoring of years, or, or maybe they had some natural personal. De- you know, I had to develop a lot of this stuff. So different personalities develop different things. So when these systems are developed, they're developed from a frame of mind that they worked for this particular group of people that had the skill set, and they will work for you. But you have sure you're not breaking laws that cause these simple things not to work correctly. That's the nature of the book, Richard. Back to you.
0: So people probably want to know now, where do they get this book?
1: Well, they can go to Amazon and go there and give Amazon half the money. That would be great. I don't particularly enjoy that, but Amazon seems to sell more. Then RyanChamberlain.com is where I absolutely prefer everyone to go. So they can download it. There's an audio, and it's really easy to find. But RyanChamberlain.com, that's R-Y-A-N-C-H-A-M-B-E-R, L I N dot com, and I'll uh, be happy to, uh, you know, the team will be happy to get, get them out to anybody that wants to get one. But that's that's where you grab it. Uh, if you like to read it on your tablet, you can get it through iTunes and Kindle and all that stuff. So uh, just type now you know book or Ryan dot com. Go there and you'll see it there.
0: That's awesome. All right, so tell us about your uh, build and evolve. You've been building for four and a half years, applying these principles, and you got 12 years worth of extraordinary experience behind your belt. So you got 12 years uh, at Team National, then you got the seven laws that kind of came out of that whole experience. You got the book, and then you find Garrett and company and whoever you found at Evolve, and you apply all of this in your build at a ball, so give us some of your stats. What have you built in the last four years? Like, um, I'm always curious how people start. So, do you remember? Um, I think my staff asked you this: how many people you personally sponsored in the first 90 days?
1: Yeah, I do. Um... Here it evolved when I when I pulled the trigger, and it took me took me several months to decide to start over. And of course, when I did that, here's what I, I learned: a couple of things. Number one, you know, because I had a list of people. You know, at 12 years, you, you develop a list of people, and and of course, I was not interested in in tearing apart or doing anything uh, with with the previous teams that had been built. But but there were some definitely great people on the list. But just because someone's built or done this before doesn't mean they'll do it again. So I, I want to I say that rule because uh, p- a lot of people don't think don't think about it. I mean, it takes work to build a network marketing business, and if you're going to build an organic business, which is all that I've, you know, at 25 years old, I, I, I mean, I certainly didn't know anything didn't know there was anything other than organic because I didn't have anybody on my list. I built built my, my teams basically with people that I met along the way. Well, fast forward 12 years plus later now I've got a list I'm, I'm a 37 basically 36 37 year old man at that point four and a half years ago with a list of people and some credibility but here's what I found I had to go back to work Yeah. yes initially I had a hot market I could I brought in 20 people the first month and probably about 40 35 to 40 total in the first three months of, I'm just doing this off memory now and I think that that would have taken me a year or two to do that uh, 12 years earlier. So, but it took, it took work that it, it almost isn't fair to say that I did that in three months because the, it's relationships. Many of you on the line have relationships that you've been building for five and 10 years. So if they decide to get in business with you today, did it take you one week or did it take you five years? because I don't know that you'd have got them in this week if you wouldn't have had a five-year relationship with them. So we're all really in that boat if we're a person of character, we're building relationships. But to answer your question, um, about 40 to 50 people really, might have been closer to 30 the first 90 days, 40 to to 50 the first year, and then the next three years uh, it's been somewhere around between ten and twenty personals per year, you know approaching what my original goal was i, I wanted to sponsor you know a hundred people into the program and and build as big of if we're gonna play if we're gonna play let's play to win let's play big let's let's have fun but it's hard it, it's depending on the goals you have depends on obviously the recruiting that you want
0: to do right <clears throat> so what I have here is in the last four and a half years, at least when you filled this out, you'd personally enrolled 95 people. Uh, and the next question we ask you is, and I think this is a, <clears throat> a really interesting stat that you know all of us in network marketing would love to transform this stat, but it's pretty consistent. So you've personally sponsored 95 people. And the next question we ask you is, how many of those resulted in what we call leader legs. Now, I didn't talk to you about these questions, Ryan. You just answered them on email, so we might flesh out a different answer here. And I don't, I forget what kind of comp line you have at Evolve, but maybe you have a binary, maybe not. Um, so, but you have, according to the email response, you have three leadership legs out of those 95 people. And so, the ratio and the stat that I want people to sort of visualize and think about is, you know, whatever compensation plan you have, what you want to think about is how many leaders do I need to personally sponsor or leadership legs do I need to have, they don't necessarily need to be personally sponsored, uh, to max out the compensation plan. So some plans are two. Some plans are three, some plans are four, some plans are five, some plans are seven. And so, you know, one of the things that we want to understand about network marketing is this is a business, if you're going to reach for the stars, if you're going to build a four-year career, if you're going to build a residual income of a few thousand dollars a month or more, that's going to depend a great deal on how many people you get like you. I don't mean like you, Ryan, but like you, anybody out there looking to build an empire in network marketing, it's going to depend on how many people you get in your organization that also want to build an empire and follow the seven laws and actually build one. So your ratio, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to correct it here if it needs correcting, is one out of 30. So, for every thirty people you sponsored, you ended up with one that not only said they wanted to build an empire, but are doing it.
1: Yeah. Well, let me jump in. Let me jump in on this. Yeah. And there, there's some there's some dialogue here that we can have because, you know, here's here's what I want the listeners to to understand about this. You know, I consider three lines that I have is what I would consider leadership lines. You know, three leadership lines in most comp plans, you're going to make some serious money if you really have leadership lines. And 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 as they keep growing, they're going to keep growing. That doesn't mean I don't have other lines that, that have business in them or are growing. But see, over time, your definition of a leader, your, your standards are higher. You know, so my current definition of a leader today is different than it was Fifteen and twenty years ago. So when I say leader line, I'm 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 looking for the the best, of the best, the highest. And it doesn't mean that I personally brought them in, but within that, you know, depth of driving and, and finding and working and, and the hundreds or whatever meetings that go into it, you end up having organizations develop within three different entities. I I did some numbers the other day, Richard. It's interesting that I'm we're talking about this. again, with, almost every question you've asked, I've never been asked ever on a conference call. So I'm kind of Uh, interested in uh, seeing how this information uh, is received. But out of the 95 people that show up in my back office that I personally enrolled, 28 of them have sponsored two or more people.
0: That's a great Uh, ratio.
1: 28 of them have sponsored two or more, which means 67 of them haven't done anything or whatever that number, whatever the difference would be. Yeah, I think 67. And so – or 63 or whatever that math is and but 28 did do something um now 20 or 18 of those didn't do much beyond that so they made they made a little bit of money and then they paused they stopped they're not here anymore i probably got 15 to 20 lines of business right now that produce some kind of volume anywhere from a few hundred a month to a few thousand a month or more and and potential in, in about 15, you know, maybe when, I, when there's an event going on, approximately 10 lines of business that, that started with someone that I personally enrolled may show up if, if it's well promoted. But really only three of them are what I would consider leadership level. Now, here's one of the things that, that I believe in. I believe in there's a couple reasons why you sponsor more people. Number one, you could go out and sponsor three people tomorrow and have three lines that you can work in. But you really don't have a much much of a choice on who you're going to work with. If you need three lines and you only sponsor three people, you really don't have any choice with who you get to work with. And if those three aren't of a high caliber, then your organization will only grow so far. So one reason why everyone should continue sponsoring, in my opinion, is every time you sponsor, number one, you're getting better, you're more credible, you're bringing on higher quality people, but you're giving yourself a different choice of who you, uh, you're, giving, you're getting to pick from a bigger pool as to what your definition of the best people you can work with. The less you sponsor, the less choices you have. The other the last thing i want to say, and I kick it back to you, the other reason we sponsor is this. When you're in building mode, when you're going after a goal, here's what you have to remember. People do what they see, not what they hear. So as a leader, it's one thing to teach people what they need to do. It's another thing to allow them to see you doing it. I think that's an age-old statement. I, I did not invent that concept. But I'm telling you, it absolutely changes the dynamics when, when you go out and sponsor 30 or 40 people and then that group gets to watch you sponsor another group, yeah, you end up with, with more people believing that they want to be a part of something where the leaders are actually doing what they're teaching. And there's a dynamic there that I think attaches itself to top money earners throughout the industry. So, uh, Richard, that's some of my perspective on it.
0: Yeah. Well, we could spend hours talking about you know, how do you inspire people to actually go to work? And I, I know what you know and Garrett Garrett, and Sylvia know and, and I know is telling people to go build a business doesn't work. The only thing that works is build a business in front of them and, and invite them to join you. And, you know, sometimes you have to take even the people that, you know, they have – They think they have such great intentions because, you know, they talk a good game. They're going to do this. They want to do this. As soon as they learn how to do this, they're going to, you know, do this and this and this. And and they're really good at sucking amateur leaders into the conversation. And the amateur leader can look up months, even years later, and go, wait a minute. I spent the last year getting ready to build with all of these people, and we never built. And so what we learn as seasoned leaders is, as hard as it is, because we want it for everybody and we know everyone can do it, as hard as it is, we actually have to put our time and attention on those people that are walking the talk that are actually doing it. And if nobody's doing it, then even though we may have 20 or 30 people on our team, but if none of them are recruiting, the only thing to do is for us to go recruit somebody who will. And sometimes that will put them in action and sometimes it won't, but it's the only way you're going to build a group. So I want to tell people what your business has resulted in in the last, Four years, like if you li- if you think about ladies and gentlemen the four-year career 4, 16, 64 two hundred fifty six, thousand and twenty four, then it jumps to over four, thousand people. Uh, Ryan and Jenny have a business that has evolved into that fifth level, that fifth generation where they have a couple of thousand active people, and they're doing a million dollars a month in business in most months. And it's growing. So they have definitely nailed the four-year career. And they've demonstrated that, you know what, if they can do it, you can do it too. Uh, probably a lot of you want to get your hands on his book. I want to read his book. I'll bet it's really, really great stuff. couple of more questions, Ryan. Mm-hmm. What is... Uh, I'm going like, to put you on the spot a little bit here. I'm going to make the, the question a little tougher to answer. In the last four and a half years, what's the biggest mistake you made? And I realize you probably haven't made a lot in the last four and a half years. What's the biggest mistake you made? And not necessarily that cost you money. It might have cost you money. It might have cost you sales growth, momentum. It might also have cost you credibility, integrity, your health, relationships. What's the biggest mistake you've made? You either made it repetitively or you made it one time well that's a that's
1: an interesting question um he, you know now we're talking life questions here one- one of the biggest assumptions that I think was a mistake for Ryan was. I I assumed that that I would actually be able to capitalize off of my previous 12-year career differently than the way that it actually did turn out. What I found out was, what I stated earlier, just because some people did it before doesn't mean they'll do it again, that there is no quick road. I mean, although I can tell you right now we did – uh, hit we're at an income level today that took us twice as long to get there before in, in a shorter period of time here, in a much shorter period of time here today. But but that's only because we were more strategic and we, we, we did the amount of presentations in a more compressed period of time. So me, me coming into a new venture with a having to get myself – really re humbled and you know reset in my mind to me that that cost me uh in energy and frustration and just a uh i don't know perhaps i think an, it was necessary but almost it, f- it feels now like i could have avoided it, that some of that learning curve and, and i and i you never hit i never uh hit rock bottom from a standpoint financially or anything like that but emotionally, there was uh, you know, lots of hope put into people uh, that ended up not performing. And so I had to shake all that off. Had I sh- shook it off from day one, I think I could have done a better job even launching my business here at Evolve Health. Uh, the other thing is, another mistake I'll give you, I'll give you two for the price of one here, was I'd written books, I'd, I'd come up with systems, I had developed things through the years. And so for me to automatically assume that just because that you know I understood the game, that I could immediately get a new team up and running to understand that caused me not to actually uh, think through the basics of the basics, ladies and gentlemen. This business is built on the basics. I mean, it's built on the things that that we hear. And I, I'm gonna say, there's a lot of companies out there that teach great principles, and people just we overlook the basics. So to me, it was it was resetting. It was it was men, mentally um, deciding that okay, it's time to, time to go back. Uh, and to go to work and, and that's really as as raw of an answer as I know how to give you uh tonight i mean we could I could probably think of a few more, but those two come to my mind immediately when you said that
0: I think what you're uh describing, Ryan, is the absolute terror that any of us seasoned networkers would feel uh with the idea not the, beyond the idea the the actual circumstance of starting over and building from scratch. There's there's something to be said for, I mean, people on this call that might be listening to this might say, well, boy, you know, Ryan and Richard and, you know, other seasoned people on this call have such a great advantage, you know, if they were to ever, you know, start a business because they know so much. And yet we also have a, a huge disadvantage And that is we don't have the benefit of raw enthusiasm. We actually know too much and, uh, you know, maybe a little too professional and too much knowledge and too high of expectations that, you know, are out of our control in terms of, you know, we can be polished, we can have written books, we can know exactly what to say to people, and that's still doesn't magically have people go to work and build. And it is a great gift for all of you that are new. The raw enthusiasm that you have for starting out, this is the first time you've done it, the expectations that you have, the reckless abandon that you have, those gifts are equally if not more valuable than uh, being seasoned and experienced. I would not want to start over no matter how much I know. So I have great admiration, Ryan, to anybody that has uh, gone out there like you have and Garrett has and and start from scratch all over again. It's a terrifying and yet an honorable, and if you think about it from a long-range standpoint, it's a fabulous path you've chosen. What's the smartest thing? that you've done in the last four and a half years and surprise us? <laughs>
1: I'm going to tell you a, a couple of, well, I appreciate you you asking this question. It's an interesting question. And, and uh, this is actually a harder question to answer than the last one because I don't want to come across and sound, you know, ego gone wild or out of whack here. But I, I think a couple of things that, that have been smarter. This time around, I wasn't as smart as a young man about how I included my family in the process of building and making my business decisions. I decided I was going to handle myself differently. And speaking to what you said earlier, uh, part of me, uh, yeah, starting over is not, you know, the idea of going from company to company to company to company is a joke. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Uh, But sometimes people do make shifts, and and, and there's things that I've learned to accept that, that that if it's done under the right principles, it's needed. And then, to your point, starting over is not not always a a great venture. But it was a great challenge. It was a challenge for me to wake up one day and say, you know what? I'm going to go do what I wrote in my own book and see what happens. And that's what we did. I I believe I, I lived the principles you know, uh, went back and, and decided to do what I what I was fresh in my, when I wrote the pages of that book is when it was clear to me what to do. And sometimes we get unclear when we get in the middle of dealing with people and all the stuff we deal with. And I just had to bring myself back. One of the smartest things I did was bring myself back to say, you know what, I'm going to follow my own rules. And it, But then the, prior to that, the big one for me has been the, the uh, family partnership that I've, you know, I've always had a tight family. We've traveled the world together. But there's been a different process here in the last four and a half years, and it, it's meant a lot to me. Um, and it continues to mean a lot to me, and it, it weighs on me. It, uh, I, this, you know, we can get so crazy focused on making the most amount of money that we we can literally lose track of a lot of things, and so. Uh, lastly, I'll say this: getting to the point where, um, where, you have ultra one well, of the smartest things I've done is get extremely clear about the path that I'm going to project to my organization about what I what I buy into, what I believe in, what I promote, getting ultra clear about the system, getting ultra clear about uh, the purpose, getting ultra clear about specific, here's how we're going to communicate the message. You know, that is the – I'm not going to say – I made a lot of money not being crazy clear about all that stuff in the past, but getting getting extremely clear almost – Creates a vacuum that ultimately turns into a momentum, if if you're if you're doing the right things. And so, surrounding yourself with great people uh, that support that—they're not just yes people; they're actually people that help you come up with the best ideas. All that's part of the process. So, Richard, hope that gave you some answers to that question. Uh, back to you, buddy.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful stuff. Um, so. Tell us about network marketing. Like, where do you see this profession going in the future? And what do you think some of the most important things we all need to be doing to be part of that future and protect that future? And just what I want you to do, Ryan, is just maybe just focus on talking to there's one person out there. There's just one leader and they're perhaps feeling a little lost and disoriented and wondering, you know, can I really make it in this and how can I create an organization that's honorable and it's fun to be a part of and has minimal amount of politics and how can I, be confident that my company and this business model are going to stick with me. And so, if you were speaking to one person who had those doubts about themselves and about the business model, what would you say to them?
1: A great question. Uh, what I would say is, you know, if someone's having doubts, uh, and, and let me just say it this way: someone's not going to perform at their potential in any environment that's out of line with their belief system. Sometimes people there are there are certain uh, cultures that are created within organizations. I think where we're going in the industry is our society's getting wiser about some things or getting not so wise about other things, okay? But one of the things that they're the they're instinctively getting wiser about is what what is a legitimate company that that's that is operating off of purpose and what's one that's just operating off of hype. You know, you can be an exciting company and not operate on hype. You can be a company that underpromises and over delivers, which is what I believe we're we're a part of with with that's a that's a root of the culture that you want to create. It's what a, one of the important lessons that one of my, my mentors uh has really instilled in me over the last fifteen years. And so under promise over deliver, deliver, there's so many different things out there. My guess is many of you on this call could probably have success in a lot of, and in, in there's not just one company that you could have success with. It, it's probably not the company. It's probably the the culture that you need to be more worried about. And of course, if you're in a company with the right culture, that's the right fit for you. And just because you haven't had Success in that company doesn't mean it isn't the right fit. You know, Jim Rohn says, don't wish things were easier, wish we were better. Maybe it is time to uh, to lock arms with somebody in your upline and actually have an evaluation period with them. But what I would say is get, get it to where you know in your heart this is something you're a part of that you're proud of. And I'm not by any means encouraging anybody to think about Shifting any company at all because ninety nine point nine percent of everyone is probably can find the things they need where they're at, but they're not asking themselves the right questions they their they're, uh, therefore their belief is system is not connecting with the, their culture the way that it needs to to uh, connect so that they can transfer belief into the people that they're sharing their opportunity with so as a new person. That's what we mean when we say belief. That when we talk about belief, we're talking about it you know, being something that, that you, can, you believe so much that you transfer, not that you just believe certain lines that you heard that you're repeating. And so, uh, Richard, we can go on and on on this, but that is, that's my initial reaction to that question. And I wanna, I'd love to help people find that. I was, I'll end with this. I was, with some, I was at an event the other night, and this, this lady, uh, seemed like a sharp lady, was at the event, and we're, we're talking at the end of the event, and she, uh, she's known about the industry for a while, made a little bit of money in the past, but she said to me, Ryan, I like what I see. I, I just don't know that I want to do this. I just don't know that I'm interested in this, and I just paused for a second. I stepped back and said, okay, forget about what you've seen tonight. Name was Lisa. So forget about what you've seen tonight. So Lisa, if you could do anything in the next year that you want to do, what would it be? I'm just I'm just curious. Forget about what you saw tonight. What would it be? She said, "Well, I want to own a coffee shop. I would love to own a coffee shop." And she said, "Lisa, okay, that is an awesome idea. That would be cool. So let me add another sentence here, though. Do you think?" that if you utilize the financial vehicle that you saw tonight and it did generate you even a few thousand dollars more per month into your household do you think that you're more likely to get that coffee shop this year than if you don't generate another few thousand a month she said well absolutely I said see, you gotta stop thinking about this industry other than anything more than a vehicle People think of it as a job, as a treachery, as i got to go to work, instead of this is what's going to get me my coffee shop. And if I'm speaking to a new person getting, you know, if you're out just chasing the pen and chasing this or chasing that, and there's not a clear heart connection as to why it's all taking place and why you're going to do this stuff, uh, it's not going to make sense to you. You're going you're to get frustrated every month. You're going to have to go to a big event, and then you'll be excited for a week, and then you'll come home and pause for three weeks. And then you go to another event, you get excited for a week, then you pause for three weeks. It's because there's no heart connection. And so, Richard, that's my comments to the new people tonight, uh, or the ones that are just evaluating whether or not this is for real. It is for real. This does work. It is built on a certain set of principles that have to work if you do the right thing. So back to you, buddy.
0: Yeah, well, that's awesome. That's a great way to uh, to wrap this up. And you're so right, Ryan. Uh, I mean, just imagine what people could do. People, you know, they they look at the hype oftentimes in our companies and in our uh, promotions about you know making ten or twenty or thirty thousand dollars a month. But imagine what people could do if they made a couple of thousand dollars a month for the next twenty years. I mean, if you made a couple of thousand dollars for the next 20 years and you just invested that money in real estate or, you know, a safe strategy in the stock market, you'd end up a multimillionaire just from the $2,000 a month. And then you could live for the rest of your life on that. Or you could get that coffee shop or you could bring your wife home or your husband home or you could send your kids to college the threshold doesn't have to be twenty grand a month for any of us on this call to consider ourselves successful. Right. $1,000 a month is mega successful. Two dollars a month is mega successful. And Richard, so you, you, thank asked you.
1: Me, you asked me where I thought the industry was going, and I, I, I didn't quite finish that thought, and it's tagging yeah. into what you're saying. I believe we're entering into a, I don't know, a new generation of networking where not only is it, we've known, those of us that are in this environment, we know we're in a bubble. Not everybody out there view, you know, there's mixed feelings about our industry. But I believe we're ushering ushering into a respected, people are going to begin to respect what this industry does because of what you just said. Because here's the reality. Generating a few thousand a month in a passive way, and you do the right things with that few thousand a month will speed up anybody's retirement plan by 20 years. How yep. could that not be respected?
0: Yeah. <clears throat> That's an opportunity for sure. So uh, we got about three minutes to wrap this call up, Ryan, and uh, as is tradition, at least for the last four or five hero calls, I'm going to put you on the spot by... <laughs> Let it again uh, by having you ask me a question.
1: Well, that and you oh, don't wow. get
0: you don't get to you don't get to think about what it is.
1: Ah, interesting stuff. So, hey, Richard. Okay, I, I'm just I, I don't even know what the question is. I'm getting ready to ask. I'm thinking of it really fast here while you got me on the spot. But, uh, Richard, what what was the what was the uh, the first major? Lesson that you learned in your networking career, because you got you were you were a person that started the industry from day one. You had a day one. You you had a a year where there wasn't a lot of you were learning the the ropes. So what was the what was the one moment, one thing that you think about that was a shift that you point back and say that caused the biggest shift in my network marketing? Career helped me shift my thinking the right way or there was a certain activity was a certain something that I Adopted that helped shift my career into a whole different dimension What's the one thing that you think about Richard in your life that happened to you?
0: My mentor died Hmm. He just Upped and died at the age of 40 He turned around um, waiting on some rock in Maui, turned around and waved to his wife, who was sitting on the beach, and a little rogue wave came by, knocked him off his feet, hit his head on the rock, and killed him at the age of 40. Mm. And up to that point, Ryan, my story about me being successful in network marketing sounded something like this. Kurt Robb knows how to make me successful. He knows all of the principles of success. He is massively successful himself. And as long as I hang around him and listen to him, As long as I listen to his tapes, as long as I go to his meetings and sit in the front row and nod my head, as long as I take notes, as long as I go home from the meeting and say, oh, that was wonderful, you know, I'm going to do that, the story I had is as long as Kurt was present to feed me, to motivate me, to train me, that someday I would be successful. And what was missing in that story was I wasn't doing what he was teaching me to do. I was learning. I was getting ready. I was in training. I was molding myself. You know, which is fine, and it's certainly part of the process, but... When he died, uh, two things happened. First, I quit. And then I realized that by quitting, I was dishonoring all the gifts he gave me. And I also remembered something he told me many, many times. This was in 1978. He told me many times in 1978, you are Richard, you already know everything you need to know to make $10,000 a month in this business. And that was 1978. <clears throat> and how I heard that when he said it while he was alive was, yeah, yeah, I know, but I didn't believe it. And when he died, I was left with a choice. I was left with quit and have his... Um, contributions be a memory for me or honor everything he taught me by no longer becoming that giant, being that giant sucking sound that sucks the life out of every leader in the organization, I decided to be the leader. I decided to believe and honor what he told me that I already knew 10 times more about success than about network marketing. I knew 100 times more about success and network marketing than almost every prospect I would ever talk to. And I knew everything I needed to know to make $10,000 a month in this business. And I just decided in a way, to become him. Instead of being the source of the giant sucking sound of, I need attention, I need training, I need answers to these questions, I need to ask you the same question I've asked you 20 times already, I need recognition, I need leads, I need support. Instead of being that giant sucking sound, I decided to be the source for people that were in that place so that I could inspire them to move through it and build something. That I've had many defining moments in my career, but that was the first and the most profound. And I know that everybody on this call, whether you're listening live or you're listening five years from now on the podcast, um, you having that same kind of defining moment in your career will be a career-defining moment for you when you decide that you um, are going to be the leader as opposed to the follower, when you're going to be the doer as opposed to the trier, when you're going to be the source for people that are afraid. When you make that decision, whether you're ready or not, or at least whether you think you're ready or not, that's the day you grow up and you put your big girl pants on or your big boy pants on, and you start to inspire people and you build a team.
1: Awesome stuff, man. Thanks for having me on this call, and uh, I've I've thoroughly enjoyed the interaction, so thank you.
0: Hey, everybody. Ryan Chamberlain. Now you know at ryanchamberlain.com or, God forbid, Amazon. Ryan, you're a brilliant, heartfelt, brilliant, heartfelt leader, and I'm so glad that Garrett and Sylvia highly recommended that we interview you. I've enjoyed it, and I look forward to meeting you somewhere down the road. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Good night, everybody thank you for joining us on this episode of richard bliss brooks network marketing heroes podcast for more invaluable training tools such as audios videos and of course his best-selling books the four-year career and mock two with your hair on fire head to blissbusiness.com for 10 percent off your order use discount code hero at checkout if you're serious about building your business make sure to subscribe to richard's blog for all the latest tools and articles